You're listening to the Ignite Sessions podcast, hosted by Virginia Tech Chi Alpha. Our hope for this podcast is to encourage listeners to pursue God's kingdom and His righteousness. We hope you're blessed by today's episode. Hey, I want to quickly, as uh, just real quickly, but you know, Jackson and Becca. Becca, would you mind standing up? Because I don't know if people were like, was Becca even here last week? And uh, Becca and Jackson obviously have just, they're sons and daughters to Michelle and I, their family, and uh, they just carry just such a, a prophetic prayer mantle on their life, and uh, we're so grateful to have them <clears throat> back with us, and because we went so long, let me just get them up here, love this guy, can we give it up for Jackson? What's going on, guys? It's good to be here. Hey, if you guys were not here yesterday, uh, I just want to recap what we, what we chatted about yesterday, and, and um, it's a small segue. It's kind of connected to what I'm talking about today, kind of. Um, but yesterday we talked really around the subject of confidence to enter. We looked at the book of Hebrews. Hebrews is it's a really um, dense book theologically, but there's, there are these huge truths for us. And we talked about that the gospel has given us confidence to enter, that's great. How do we apply this to our life? And I believe it's by looking at uh, Jesus as our great high priest, as our sacrificial lamb, and as his blood as, for, as an avenue uh, into uh, the holy places, uh, places that we once were not allowed to ha- really enter in, that had no business uh, showing up to. Now he has uh, made a new and living way by which we can enter in. Today, I want to um, kind of change gears, and, and I want to look at uh, the life of David. Uh, last year, we ran a school of prayer, and we talked about David a lot. Uh, we, we did a year-long study on um, really around the book of First Chronicles, and we talked about what David did during his reign as king in Jerusalem. David did a lot of things in his life. Um, there's a lot that we could talk about David. Uh, there are a lot of lessons that we could extrapolate. Uh, I think he's the hallmark for, for biblical leadership. Um, you know, he's got great exploits, great character lessons. Um, I joked about that. You could probably find any kind of Bible study on David, like, you know, change your car oil like David and, you know, David's cookbook. Like, like we love David. David, like you, you could monetize if you want to, if you just put David, you know, like on, on any Christian thing, like it flies, right? Cause we love him. There's, there's, there's a lot around his life that we can glean from, but I think that, um, one of the most important things that he did in, in his, in his tenure as king actually happened way before he, he was a king. The book of Chronicles outlines the detail and structure of David's reign, but the book of Psalms outlines the heart of David. One book gives us detailed structure, the other one gives us his heart. The book of Psalms, Psalm 27.4, it would say that uh, David was a man who desired one thing. One thing he desired, that which he would seek, that he would dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life. He would seek the Lord, gaze upon him, and, and seek him in his temple. And, and, and so this is the one thing that, that drove him. All the other things that we see in his life, I believe that they were boiled down because there was a one thing pursuit in his heart. And that one thing pursuit, I believe, stemmed from a vow. So we're now backtracking. David did a lot of cool things, but really it's because he was seeking after one thing, and that one thing originated with a vow. David made a vow, and it set a compass, a trajectory for his life. 
He oriented his life around this one thing, but it wasn't flippant. He didn't just show up one day and say, like, I mean, this is, this is, great. This is a great way to pursue. He made a vow, a conscious decision. And today I want to look at that. If you guys have Bibles, we're going to be in Psalm 132. Psalm 132 is, is, is a big psalm. As you guys turn, they'll give you some context. It's, uh, I believe, one of the most important psalms we have in the entire Psalter. Uh, I believe that it's because of this psalm that we have the rest of them. David made a vow, and this vow set a trajectory for his life. This, this specific psalm, uh, David actually didn't write, so although it's really important, it gives us insight into things, but he didn't actually write it. We, we believe that maybe it was Solomon, his son, who wrote this book. And Solomon, at this point, at some point, is reflecting on his dad's uh, tenure, and I think he's looking at the shoes that he has to fill as a new king, and he's saying, oh, this is, this is a big spot. Um, God, would you remember David? You, you, David, uh, he, he, he made some promises to you and you made some promises to him. Would you remember David? And he says, he says this, Psalm 132, verse 1, he says, Remember, O Lord, in David's favor, all the hardship he endured, how he swore to the Lord and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob, I will not enter my house or get into my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. Behold, we heard of it in Ephrathah. This is the Ark of the Covenant. We found it in the fields of Jaar. Let us go to his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, and go to your resting place. You and the Ark of your might. Let your priests be clothed with righteousness and your saints shout for joy. For the sake of your servant, David, do not turn away your face of your anointed. Do not turn away the face of your anointed one. Again, we don't know when David made this vow, but we do know that in David's life, um, he encountered hardship. He, 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 was, he was a king, and, and he had real things in front of him. Uh, he had to make real decisions and real choices. Um, it says here that he, didn't, he wouldn't give sleep to his eyes or some of his eyelids. He, he probably did sleep, okay? But David had a, uh, an encounter with the Lord at some point in his life. I believe that as a young shepherd boy, this, I, I, this is just me, that as a young shepherd boy, David encountered something in the fields. And he said, this is, this is it. The chief pursuit of my life will be after this one thing. I'm, I, I, I've discovered, I've found something. And man, the, the rest of my days, the strength of my days, it has to be after this one thing. And, and there were highs and there were lows. But David, David made a, a conscious decision that the strength of my days, it will be given over to this. And, and so he, he makes, again, a vow. And this, this vow is to build a house for the Lord. Um, in 1 Chronicles 13, if you guys want to start turning there, David, he, he ends up fulfilling this vow in part. I would say the vow fulfilled times 0.5 because it's halfway fulfilled. Yeah. Anyways. And, and so we see, we see that David makes this vow. He encounters highs, he encounters lows, but this is the, the guiding compass of his life. And um, we're going to look at, at, the, at, at the fulfillment of the vow and then God's response. So if you guys are there, First Chronicles is before the Psalms. It's, uh, it's left of the Psalms. You guys there? Thumbs up. Awesome. Amazing. Amazing. So... It says that, um, and, and to give some backdrop, actually, so we're, we're at this point where we're jumping in. It's, it's the middle of the book of Chronicles, but something that's kind of been left out is that 
Um, David was anointed a shepherd, or sorry, he was anointed as king of Israel uh, as a shepherd boy. In order to understand David, we really actually should talk about Saul for, for a brief second. Um, Israel was founded as a theocracy or an absolute monarchy like we talked about with, with David Bradshaw last night. Theocracy, God rules, that's it. Period, that's it, God rules. But there was, a, there was a, an era in Israel's history where they started saying, well, we, we actually want to be like, we actually want to be like the other nations. Um, we're so grateful, God, for, for the leaders that you've given us, but um, we, we would love a king. Yeah, yeah, give us a king. And, and so God says, okay, I'll give the people what they want. The scary moment. So, so, so the prophet Samuel, he goes out and he finds Saul. And he finds this man who the Bible says is, is doubly handsome. He says he was handsome. He was tall, head and shoulders above his peers, and he was handsome. Okay, doubly handsome. This man that if we would have uh, been around Saul, we would have been like, this guy's a stud. I mean, this guy's amazing, right? He had everything that, would, that, that a leader should have. We would say, that's it. That's Saul. That's the guy. But for everything that he was chosen for, all that the people loved in him, it ended up being his great demise. That all that they loved in him, he, he started looking and making sure that, do you, you guys still love me? You guys, you guys still approve of me? And, in, and, and as, as king, he started to shift from, from, from looking at the Lord to, to looking at his own reign. His, his main priority once he became king of Israel and he, he stepped into the palace was, was, was his own expansion. It was his kingdom, his priorities. David, on the other hand, um, he was counted out. When, 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 when Saul ends up getting rejected by the Lord, that's a different story. Um, it's, it says that, that God was looking for a man after his heart. He started searching the earth, and he found a shepherd boy named David. Prophet Samuel goes to, to, to David's house, and, 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 and he gets Jesse, David's father, to bring up his sons. And all of the sons line up except for David because well, he's not important. Let's not bring him up here. But, but the prophet Samuel knows that, hey, man, I, I, I think that something's up. Um, do you have any more sons? He does. He has David. They anoint him as king. So that's a long story kind of made short. He gets anointed as king maybe at 13. We'll just say 13. But it takes about 20 years for this thing, maybe 17 years, who knows, for this thing to, to really come into fruition. There's a cat and mouse game between uh, Saul and David and by the time that David is 30 years old, this promise really comes into fruition. So he gets anointed as a young boy, but when he's 30, he becomes king of Hebron, and then seven years later, he becomes king of Jerusalem, okay? We've, we've been caught up, First Chronicles 13. And in this moment, this is David's great unveiling. It's been years that this thing has been building up. We've been waiting for this moment. We've heard rumors about Saul kills his thousands, but David, oh, his 10,000s. David's the man. We've heard rumors about this guy. This guy's been running an underground kind of kind of uh, group of guys, and, 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 and they've been, uh, you know, winning territory, and there's a, there's a falling behind him. He's ruling Hebron, but now he's in the main city, the city of David. This is special. Let's hear what this guy has to say. Put him on a stage. And David's first moment as king is 1 Chronicles 13. So let's, let's pick up 1 Chronicles 13.1. It says that David, on this day, his inauguration day, he consulted with the commanders of thousands and hundreds with every leader. And David said to all the assembly of Israel, if it seems good to you and from the Lord our God, let us send abroad to our brothers who remain in the lands of Israel, as well as to the priests and the Levites and the cities that have pasture lands, that they may be gathered to us. And let us again 
bring back the ark of our God, for we did not seek it in the days of Saul. All the assembly agreed to do so, for the, for the, thing, the, that, for the thing was right in the eyes of all the people. For those of you who are not familiar with the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Covenant was a symbol for God's convergence point on earth. It was, it was, it was a symbol for, for where God's presence manifested. And, and this, uh, I'm going to say token. I don't want to reduce, the, but, but this, this token of God's presence, it was God, by order, told Moses, hey, put this in the Holy of Holies, the most holy place. This is where this goes. And I will manifest myself over it. My glory will rest over it. When you come in to give sacrifice, you'll see my, my presence, manifest presence resting over this thing. But with, with God's glory also comes, um, there's actually, if, if, if you show up to God's, that's where fear of the Lord comes in. If you show up to, in God's glory uh, inappropriately, there is divine judgment. Where there is divine glory, there's also the outlet for divine judgment. And there were moments in Israel's history where men approached the, 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 the ark, they gave unauthorized incense and were consumed with fire. There are moments where uh, there, there was um, basically, uh, there was a, a breaking of the order and God said, this won't happen. Boom, and he consumes. And so during the reign of Saul, he says, this is, this is scary, man. Whenever the ark comes out, um, it's a liability. Let's put this thing away. Let's put this thing away. And so for, 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 for 20 years, they store this thing in a barn. Behold, we heard of it in Ephrathah. We found it in the fields of Jaar. The ark was, was, was tossed aside. Hey, um, it's, it's really great, uh, but we're gonna just, we're gonna chuck it there. And what's really curious is that during all this time, during the reign of Saul, there was still, and, and I, this is flying over some guys. Please listen to it again. I, I, and I feel like I have to apologize, but, but, but I, this, this stuff, it, it's, it's Bible history, and I can't, get in, I can't get into all the details. I love you guys. I love you guys, but I, I can't get into all the details, and so I know that I'm kind of tripping over myself, but we got to boom. There was a moment where the, the ark is, is, is tossed aside, but Moses' tent in Gibeon is still, is still running. But there's no ark in the Holy of Holies? There's no manifest presence in, where, where they're giving sacrifice? This is the, this is the, the definition of religion. This is, this is all godliness, no power, or the form of godliness, no power. What, what is this? You guys are going to show up and give uh, offering to, to, to really, like, like God, is God even there? And during the reign of Saul, they were like, yeah, this is great. We're just going to go ahead and do it. And David says, if it seems good to you and from the Lord our God, let us bring back the ark. We need the presence front and center. And I believe that David encounters something as a shepherd boy. And he says, look, man, th- listen, what I have been following I'm now, I'm, I'm, I'm now a leader today, but I'm only a leader because of who I've been following. And so if you're going to follow me as your leader, you're going to follow the one that I've been following. Leaders are followers. Leaders are first and foremost followers. He steps onto the scene and he says, listen, you guys are waiting for some economic unveiling, some leadership strategy, some, 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 some mighty you know, exploits. Let me tell you what we're going to go after. We're going to go after God. We're going after the presence. I've been a follower. Therefore, now I'm a leader and as, as a leader, you're going to follow the one I've been following. We're going after the ark, baby. We're going after the ark. And this is because David made a vow. All the fruit that we see in David's life, I believe it gets summed down to, to, to that one vow. I will not go into my house or give sleep to my eyes, slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. God's worthy of it. There's no other pursuit. Everything flows from this place. 
I heard Anthony preached on Matthew 6.33 this past week. And, and, and this, is, this is the New Testament application of it. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added on you. You seek God, you get everything. You seek one thing, you get everything. You, you, you seek for everything, you'll get nothing. During the reign of David and Solomon, his son afterwards, it says that, that silver and gold was regarded as, it was, it was common. It was regarded as nothing. It was, it was, it was regarded as stone. During David's era, Israel lived in the, in the peak of prosperity and political and military prowess. But that didn't, that didn't happen because they were special. I believe it's because they were pursuing one thing. And it was a presence. So David makes a vow. David says, let's go after this thing. And in 15 and 16, David actually does, again, fulfill this vow. He sets up a tent in Israel. And, and there's a lot that we can talk about that. It's really special. Uh, but I, I want to look at God's response to it. At this point, David has set up the, the, this tabernacle. We'll call, we're going to call it a tabernacle, David's tent. He took the ark. He put it at the center of Jerusalem. He surrounded it with singers and musicians. There were family leaders, elders, and their full-time job was to sing and worship, really reminiscent of Revelation 4 where there's a throne at the center. and There's singers and musicians, angels worshiping. There's glory resting in that tent. There's glory resting in heaven, really reminiscent of something that's heavenly. And he says, man, this is so special, but there's more. What if we gave permanence to this? He goes, he goes, at First Chronicles 7, he's talking to the prophet Nathan. I don't know what kind of context this is in, but I think it was more like he's kind of sitting down. And he's like, See here that I dwell in a house of cedar, and yet the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord dwells in a tent. The prophet Nathan says back to him, do all that's in your heart. And he says, man, I'm going to build God a house. The vow hasn't changed. The, the desire hasn't changed. I'm going to build God a house. And, and let's, let's look at the text. Go to First Chronicles 17. I want to read it in its entirety. David, he goes home. Now, when David lived in his house, David said to the prophet Nathan, Behold, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under a tent. And Nathan said to David, Do all that's in your heart, for God is with you. But that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan. And he said, Go tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, It is not you who will build me a house to dwell in, for I have not lived in a house since the day I was brought up from, from, since the day I brought up Israel to this day, but I've gone from tent to tent and from dwelling to dwelling. In all places where I've moved with Israel, did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people, saying, Why have you not built a house of cedar for me? Now, therefore, thus shall you say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture and from following sheep to be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people, Israel. And I will plant them, that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall waste them no more as formerly from the time that I appointed judges over my people, Israel. And I will subdue your enemies. Moreover, I declare to you that the Lord will build you a house. When your days are fulfilled, to walk with your fathers, I will raise up for you offspring 
one of your own sons, and I'll establish him. I'll be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. I will not take my steadfast love from him, as I took it from, those, from him who was before you, Saul, but I will confirm him in my house and in my kingdom forever, and his throne shall be established forever. In accordance with these words, in accordance with all these words, in accordance with this vision, Nathan spoke to David. I want you guys to, 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 to follow this with me one more time. David goes home. He says, man, I want to build God a house. Nathan says, do it. And then God shows up and he says, actually, um, will you build me a house? No, you won't build me a house. But, but how did you know? I've never told anyone. From the day that I brought up Israel out of Egypt, I never told anyone, any of my shepherds, any of my people that I wanted a house. I never told anyone, but, but you knew. You knew that it was my desire to dwell with my people. Jesus in John 17, 3, or 17 uh, 24, he says, Father, I desire that, that they would be with me, that they'd see my glory. There's, a, there's an eternal desire in, in, in God that he who dwells everywhere wants to dwell somewhere. He wants to dwell with his people. And he looks at David and he says, you, you knew. You're not going to build me a house, but, but your sons will. Matter of fact, I'm going to make sure of it. I'll see it myself. And I'm going to give you peace. And I'm going to give you a throne. And I'm going to give you a name. You're not going to do it. I will. Look at this. This is, this is I, 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 I counted these things out. I don't know um, if there's more or less. But in, in this one passage, as God responds to David's desire, David makes a vow and God says, um, that's great. Uh, I'm going to do it. Like, you won't do it. I will. You made a vow. That's great. I'm going to fulfill it. First, First Chronicles 17, he says, this is me translating. He says, now therefore you say to my servant, I have been with you and I'll be with you. I've cut off your enemies. You'll live in peace. I'll exalt you over my people. I'll exalt your name among, among the great ones of the earth. I will set you and the people of Israel apart. You will plant, I will plant them in peace and none will disturb them. Violence will cease. Justice and righteousness will abound. A house will be built. A legacy will mark your house. When you die, your name will live on. Your sons will rule just like you. I'll establish you in your kingdom. Your, sons, he, your son, excuse me, he will build, but I will establish. His throne will be forever like mine. I will be a father to him. He'll be a son to me. I will mark him with my love. Steadfast love will not depart from him. I'll confirm these things. My house and my kingdom will bear witness to this. His throne will be established forever. Thank you, David, for that desire. Man, it's so special. I love that desire. Now, you can get out the way now. I've got this. David makes a vow and God fulfills it. Man, I think it's just so incredible. What does this speak to us today? Desires are important. Just the mere desire. How did you know? You knew, but you knew. You're not gonna do it. You've shed blood. I don't want that. But your son, he's gonna be a man of peace. He's gonna do it. But because you had the desire, just the desire alone, I'm gonna bless you. Man, I'm gonna multiply. I'm gonna establish you. I love that. I wanna give, you wanna give permanence to me? I'm gonna give permanence to you. It's like, what? You wanna give permanence to, to me, to my presence resting on the earth forever? I wanna make sure of it, that one from your line sits on the throne forever. The Bible in Revelation, it says that Jesus is the, is, he's the root and the descendant of David. He'll sit on the throne of David. It's amazing. David is more than just a hallmark. I mean, he's, a, he's the prototype for, for, for who God desires on the earth, one who would desire him. 
And I believe that today, a lot of us, we run around with, with, with you know, we're asking ourselves these big questions about God's will and calling and, and what do I do with my life? And I just believe that God is like, would someone just run with a burning desire for me? Man, I'll straighten it out. I'll straighten it out. David shows up. He says, I'm going to do this. And God says, ah, look, wait, we're going to tweak the game plan a little bit. But don't worry. I love that desire. We're going to run with it. Paul, in, in the book of Acts, he says, hey, I want to go to Asia. Man, I'd love to go to Asia. That would be amazing. And the Lord says, no, you're not going to Asia. Um, here's a dream. Boom. You're going to go to Macedonia instead. And he goes to Macedonia in his second missionary journey. Four out of the seven cities, if I'm not wrong, are in that region that he got shifted over to. But he's like, man, I wanted to go to Asia, and then I really wanted to go to Rome. Ugh. I'm going to write a letter instead to the Romans. Boom. To the Romans. Da, 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 da. And all of a sudden, 2,000 years later, we have this, 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 this theological legal exposition, this, this boom, the most systematic presentation of the gospel. Paul had a desire. God's like, no, no, no I love that desire. We're going to shift it, and I'm going to bless it. I'm going to give permanence to that desire, Paul. I love that desire, but it's too small. I don't want you just showing up to, I don't want you just showing up to Rome delivering a sermon. I want to give permanence to it, that the gospel will be proclaimed to the ends of the earth through this message. Paul's holy ambition, he says, he says, I'm making my desire to preach Christ where he's not been named, lest I build another man's foundation. And Jesus says, I love it. We're going to give permanence to that. Cements it forever. Holy scripture. I think so many of us, man, we're, we're, we're all twisted up on, on what do I do in my life and where do I go and what's God's will for my life? God's will for your life, 1 Thessalonians 4, your sanctification. Thank you, Jesus, that is simple. God's call for my life, out of darkness and in a marvelous light. Thank you, Jesus. So what do I do with my dreams? What do I do with my desires? I bring them to him. I say, God, this is what I'm thinking. What do you think? And in his time, man, he'll direct you to where you need to be. David made a vow, and this vow, this central vow of God, I'm going to be a man who pursues you, your presence. You're it. The chief, the chief pursuit of my days, it's you. I got peripheral dreams and all this stuff, but it's you. Man, God, when, when someone approaches him like that, he says, I love it. Let's walk. Let's go together. And I just believe that there's some in this room, man, that you, as we're talking about this vow, your heart is burning. And I want to invite you today to, to, to not just have this as, as a cool moment, but to come up here and, and to make this vow with the Lord. God, before you, before, before witnesses in this room, man, I'm going after this thing. The strength of my days, God, it's going to be to build for you. It's going to be to pursue you. It's going to be to, to, to know you. You're it. You're it. Everything else is peripheral. That's my sermon. David made a vow. We see fruit in his life, but it originated with one thing. Man, I know that we had a sweet ministry time. I'm so grateful for that. But if, if, if now you want to, you there's, 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 there are moments where we, we get touched by the Lord. And then I, I really believe that there are moments where we get to touch the heart of God himself. Where we get to say, Lord, I just thank you for all that you've done in my life. God, here's, here's an offer. You've done something to me. God, now let me do something to you. I love you. And we just tell him how much we love him. And he shows up. And he, and, 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 and he meets us where we're at. He meets us. And so my altar call today, it's, it's simple. It's what happened in David's life, David is not special. He is special, but he's, he's human. I just believe that the same blessing that rested on David's life, it's available to us in this place. 
Psalm 22, three says that God, that he inhabits the praise of his people. God rests on the praise of his people. David made a place for God to rest. He said, look, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna create a spot for you to come in, for you to dwell. And the blessing that rested on David's life, I believe is available to everyone. After David's life, every king who would follow in the footsteps of David, prioritizing the presence of God over everything else, making that the, the center of the kingdom, making the center of their pursuits, they experienced blessing and revival. And I'm not after blessing and revival, I'm after the one who gives it, but, but it's, it's, there's something to take note of that. When we look at the kings who did well, there was one, one defining factor with all of them, one common thread with all of them. They sought after God. They sought after the presence. They made him chief pursuit of their life. And, 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 and everyone else who didn't, man, it was lesser lovers, distractions. They fell into complacency. Man, would God find a people here at Virginia Tech that say, God, no lesser lovers. God, one pursuit, one pursuit, one vow, one thing is in front of us. And so if that's you today, man, we wanna pray for you and just agree, just come into agreement. It's simple, one thing. So God, we just thank you, Lord, for who you are. God, I just thank you for, for David. God, I thank you for, for, for your son of David. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for all that you did in his life. And I thank you for the example that's set before us in scripture. And God, we just ask that you would make us, Lord, a people of one thing. God, that you would mark us, Lord, sear our hearts, God, with, with, with this vow, God, saying, Lord, that we too will not rest until, until we see you, God, until we touch you, God, until we know you, God. That it's not just going to be in pretense or, or, or in ethereal, God, but we want to we wanna really know you in this life. I, w- I really want to know you, God. I really want to know you, God. Come, Lord. Come, God. Mark hearts. Touch hearts, God. Touch hearts, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for tuning in to the Ignite Sessions podcast. To learn more about Virginia Tech Chi Alpha, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it using the hashtag TheIgniteSessions. We'll see you next time.